Hello everyone once again welcome back to this episode of Talking Manchester United I am Shashank and I'll be joined by Kostav today where we will discuss and analyze various things related to United so let's begin The test period has been a very good one for Manchester United and we are now into our fourth successive semi final under Ole So, what do you think is going to make us fourth time lucky? I think one thing that's changed uh, over the last maybe ten months or twelve months is that there's more variety in this team. Like you look at the game, that wretched game against uh, Sevilla, where we sort of, even though our players looked a bit tired after playing sixty odd games before that, I mean there was a lack of variety in that team. Like. when i think luke shaw wasn't playing that game and we had ben williams playing that game so there was uh when teams used to sit deep we didn't quite have enough options on the bench to change it we didn't have enough um variety in a tactical sense to make sure that the games that weren't exactly going our way we could never change them from the bench but now we've got um different options in a single positions like if if we need more creativity from the middle we can maybe take fred off and bring van der beek on or maybe play pogba in there and for the left back spot we've got if if we need a ball carrier we can play shaw if we need a proper crosser who's got a hammer of a left foot we can play tellish there i mean of course for the right back spot we still need to sign a player but it's it's much more complete in a holistic sense than it ever was maybe after sir alex because even under mourinho we didn't quite have um as many options in different parts of the pitch but now largely because of how recruitment has been done under ole it's it's changed quite a bit and secondly i think uh mentally the players have improved because they because other managers like maybe klopp yesterday or mourinho even before they constantly talk about other clubs but you never ever see ole or the other players talking about other clubs it's always about what we're doing right and what we need to do right in the future and what we got wrong in the previous game so i think that's that's also down to the mentality that's been instilled into this team and i think those two things are pretty prominent now i i think the last point in particular that you mentioned is is, is so accurate um because it's a sign of the mindset that uh, we're not taking any matches for granted yeah and that's probably resulted uh, in this run that we've had uh, to the semi final stage also i think credit to the players uh, because every time there's been a disappointment they bounce back from that so yeah. there was the uh, there was that horrible horrible performance with arsenal they've gone on an unbeaten run yeah they got knocked out by leipzig they've gone on an unbeaten run yeah uh, coming specifically to the match tomorrow uh, you sort of touched upon an interesting point in terms of our left back situation so looking in particular to how manchester city set up who should be our left back tomorrow should it be tellus should it be luke shaw i think i'll go with shaw once again and i think for tomorrow we should go with the diamond in midfield because uh in the first half of i mean last season uh pep figured out how to play against united so in the first game this season he made sure that he went with a double pivot and city were constantly uh 
sort of conserving the game instead of taking a race. It was constantly a six against four when one team attacked. So I think um, we, United, were pretty conservative in the midfield in that game and much more open in the wide areas. So I think this time we need to go with the 4-4-2 diamond. So Kostum, it, it was quite interesting that you spoke uh, about the diamond formation. Uh, in the this Carabao Cup run in particular, we've actually seen Ole use a lot of white playmakers uh, instead of the traditional white forwards um, that he prefers in the league. Uh, what do you think is the rationale behind that? And uh, uh, why are you recommending that we do something other than deploying white playmakers tomorrow? I think as I just said that it's something different. It's something that um, helps United a lot more against teams that like to sit back with about 10 defenders or something. And if if the so-called white players are playing in a more central area, it allows fullbacks to move forward more. It gives uh, the striker a bit more room for, for service. And like he's, he'll, he'll get more service from central areas. He'll get more service from the wide areas. So I think it's it's a different way of playing against the, the, the teams that like to sit narrow in their own shape and like to uh, keep United in in the wide areas. And also, when teams like to, let's say, park the bus, it's important for United to have runners in the half spaces. So I think when a player like Van der Beek plays in a, say, a left, a left wing position or in a right wing position, he's someone who'll will play in that half space to make sure that there's enough room for the team to operate in and they don't get you know don't get confused in a very uh, against a very solid structure so i think as and i think as soon as amar diallo comes in he's going to do that job as well because he's very very good at playing in the half spaces that van der beek can also do so i think that's that's the one thing that uh, we need to do and when it comes to the thing about um, Using the white players, it's it's because we looked at we look at the game against Sheffield United where uh, Sheffield United made uh, and a huge error in judgment when they decided to play with a very high back line. I think that's where they really lost the game. Uh, when teams do that, United look to play Marcus Rashford in there or Mason Greenwood in there and even Martial in there because these players are lightning quick when running in behind defense, especially with if Pogba is playing in that game. And I think there's a pattern um, that you can commonly see for United. It's that uh, when the front three of Rashford, Martial and uh, Greenwood play, it's it's more often than not that Pogba also plays behind Bruno Fernandes. So I think that's the idea of uh, having more wide forwards in a team against, against an opposition that likes to play um, in a, let's say, in a higher line. That's an excellent point that you make. Uh, one of the common threads uh, in all our cup exits have been either we make a very poor start or there are individual errors mm-hmm. that cost us the game. Sometimes it's bad finishing, yeah. sometimes it's 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 just moments of lapse of concentration at the match. What do United need to do versus City to overcome that? I think it's as I said. I think it will be about making sure that uh, you don't play the game into City's hands once again. Because Pep, uh, after having lost to Ole in the last uh, 
having lost to Ole last season three times, he knew that United were going to play Fred and McTominay and be a bit conservative in their approach. So I think it's it won't really be about taking a risk in this game. It will be about making sure that you spring a bit of a surprise because it's pretty clear that even a team like Chelsea uh, have sort of figured United out in the big games and they know that the United will play Fred and McTominay in there to make sure that that midfield doesn't get overrun. Um, like if if United play Matic or Pogba in there, there's a higher likelihood of getting overrun in that part of the pitch. And I think teams are starting to figure this out now. So I think it will be about springing a surprise more than anything else. And and the individual errors, of course, have to be have don't need to be made because um, the sort of football that City play, you just need to make one error. And we saw what they did to Chelsea the other night. And I think it's. I'm not sure what uh, what the eleven is going to be, but I think we really need to play Eric Bailly in there because um, I can't really remember the last time Bailly played against Man City and. Uh, when City play against a team that has got a lot of aerial ability, they struggle quite a few times because you saw against Arsenal in the FA Cup last season when they lost in the semi-final, they attempted quite a lot of crosses, but they still couldn't quite score. And that's very rare to see from a City team. And I think if uh, United score first or even if they don't score, I think it will be very important to make sure that the central defensive area is is strong and aerially resolute and especially because uh, I don't think City have a striker fit and they'll probably I think play Bernardo Silva there maybe play a more false nine, give give De Bruyne more of a false nine role that maybe he played against Chelsea so I think it'll be very important to make sure that the centre-backs at least don't make errors Absolutely uh, and I think we've all seen that a fit Eric by uh, the impact that he has uh, and how well he complements uh, Maguire. Uh, just revisiting a point that you made earlier about teams now expecting us uh, to play with the double pivot of Scott and Fred. And you also mentioned how somebody like Diallo coming in, how well he operates in the half spaces. There's a player in Casido uh, who we are being linked to, who is potentially somebody who yeah. can play in that double pivot. Yeah. So, how how does uh, how do you think he uh, uh, settles in, and how do you, how do you think we will be uh, able to get the best out of him if he arrives here? I think he's himself said that uh, he likes both Paul Pogba and Kante. I mean, he said that he wants to model his game around both of these players. So I think, um, and from what I've seen of him, I won't lie that I've seen him play every single game. I've not, but what I've seen of him. It suggests that he can't exactly play against a team, uh, against a team that's sitting deep. And when United want him to drop into a three centre back role, like and perform a role that Matic does, so I think it, it's it seems like he's more of a combination of Fred and Paul Pogba in the sense that he knows how to track back, he knows how to put put a shift in, like Fred does, and he's he's got a pretty good right foot as well. I think I saw some short maps of Kaiseido and it looked like he's got a hammer of a left foot. He constantly tries shots, something that Fred doesn't really do. 
but i think he will just add another option in the midfield like like i said that united are looking for more variety in a single position now like i mean van der beek offers something different to bruno fernandes in the number 10 position he plays more of those shorter passes like maybe thomas muller does he finds those tight little spaces against a uh, tightly packed defense while fernandes is more of that high risk high pa- um, high risk high volume passer or a short short producer um fred is more of that box to box tackler less i mean he's more of a tackler and less of a ball carrier but i think caicedo will bring more of that ball carrying ability and a bit more of that tackling than um than paul pogba so i think it it will make united a much more complete team than they already are it was quite interesting uh, how you sort of compared van der beek and bruno uh and it is true bruno we have one of the few teams which sort of still play with a traditional number 10 and it it partly comes down to the fact that bruno is the sort of player if everything is not through him you're not going to get the best out of him uh yeah. to be fair if he was to be played in a system where he was to be playing maybe as a half eight uh, with another half eight maybe we won't see the levels that we're currently seeing from bruno but it also means that he's the go to player uh whenever along with maybe rashford whenever ole wants to sort of really open up a game or chase a game down yeah. uh do you reckon that there is some young talent somewhere in europe who can sort of come in and be an understudy for bruno uh and provide a very useful rotation option for us i think um having a, another player like bruno fernandes will make sure that van der beek is is maybe unhappy or he's he's he the dutch media is putting more pressure on him to leave and stuff but i think uh people uh abused andreas pereira quite a lot when he was there and those people included me because there was there were a lot of times when it seemed as if the premier league game is maybe too quick for him he's taking too many touches on the ball and he's he's just a bit slower in possession and he's he maybe doesn't really know when the opposition is on to him he needs to pass the ball quicker he needs to play a pass quicker he needs to switch wings quicker so i think pereira is someone who i think can play that role because at lazio he's doing decent i won't say he's doing pretty well he's doing decent and he's playing in that milinkovic savic role where he has to play those passes and he's doing that well so i think he has a chance of coming in and secondly i think if there's a player that i would want united to sign who's young and not someone like rodrigo de paul who's much more established and who will demand regular football i think it's probably daichi kamada from antrak frankfurt um, i think he's got two assists or and four i mean he's got two goals and four assists this season and he's constantly playing uh behind uh a front two or front three which are very narrow because frankfurt have got this thing about them where they um have got three strikers in a very narrow shape in a 3-4-3 which sort of brings the best out of all of them so i think kamada is someone who likes to take a lot of risk when he's on the ball he likes to take shots on goal he can also lose the ball quite a lot like fernandez does but yeah a player like fernandez is very rare in today's market in the sense that you need to uh pick out players who are essentially high risk number 8 as you as you just said but uh not every single high risk number 8 can 
come in and play in that free role. So I think Pogba can do that, but there are certain limitations with Pogba, of course, and he's probably leaving the summer anyway. So I think a player like Daichi Komada can come in and maybe play, let's say, one game in three and uh, help us in in maybe games that we had against Luton Town or maybe in this uh, upcoming FA Cup against game against Watford. So I think there are a lot of options out there. And I think even Kamada won't exactly be happy with the role that we might give him. But he is basically the sort of profile that we maybe need to look at. And do you see any youngster coming through from the academy ranks who may be exhibiting similar traits? Yeah, I think Hannibal Medjury is pretty good. Um, he's more of a left-sided attacking midfielder and Bruno is pretty similar to him. Uh, I've not yet done a statistical research or anything about Hannibal Medjury, but he seems to be that flair uh, inside forward or a number 10 player who can who likes to score goals, likes to create chances, likes to take a lot of shots on goal and constantly tries to do things. I think there is a chance to, for him to come in. And so I'm not quite sure when he gets a chance, but yeah, I think the way he's progressing through the ranks in the under-18s and then the under-23s, I think he's uh, certainly got a chance. In key games, what we've noticed is that Ole has three players who are absolutely undroppables for him. Uh, and technically, they are the sort of captains and vice-captains also at this club. That's Harry Maguire, Bruno, and Marcus. We've already touched upon in detail about how relevant Bruno is. What is it about Maguire and Marcus that makes them so unique and so critical to the way Ole plays? I think for Rashford, it's, it's the very fact that defenders absolutely hate a forward player or a left-sided winger who can run at them and with with the pace of someone like Rashford it's it's I think very few players in European football can do what Marcus Rashford does on a regular basis and I think his the way he takes on defenders and the way he beats them has improved under Ole since last season because uh, we've constantly seen over the last maybe four or five weeks where the way he goes past people people are almost lying on the floor we saw it against uh, Wolves. We saw it against uh, even the previous game. And I think it's been happening for the last uh, two months or something. So I think in that sense, he's improved quite a lot. And I think Martial is more of that cultured in, in that regard. He likes to go past players, but he's not as ruthless. And neither is Daniel James and neither is Mason Greenwood, who I think should be playing as a striker. So I think it's this rare ability about himself, which... Uh, can't exactly be found in too many parts of Europe. United wanted a player like that in Usman Dembele and Jadon Sancho, but uh, they didn't obviously didn't get him. So I think he just presents this rare sort of talent that United don't have and very few teams out there have. You look at um, City, they do have one. Uh, Liverpool have one. Spurs uh, have Son. So I think Top players, uh, I mean, top teams have this one player who can, at least one player who can take defenders on with pace and beat them and then take shots away on goal. And I think as far as Maguire is concerned, um, a lot of it is down to the fact that he cost us 80 million and um, Ole saw a bit in him which said that uh, he needs to play consistently and he should be... uh, 
one let's say a spearhead for for being this character around whom the defense is built because um it's it's a bit rare these days to find a right footed center back who whose passing angles are a bit like a left footed center back so i think um if you take maguire out of the team united will be very one sided in their approach because if you look at the passing maps that maguire has a lot of his passes go towards the left back instead of the right center back or the right sided central midfielder so when a team ends up playing with uh let's say if united start with lindelof and bai the passing the passing angles the way united build which be will be very very one sided and the angles that they create won't be as as let's say diverse as when maguire plays and i think ole really wants the team to be much more complete than it was last season so i think that's why he's looking at a left footed center back as well because if maguire isn't there or if he needs a rest which i think he desperately does now so i think if maguire isn't playing united if united say go out in the market and get someone like pau torres or swan botman so i think the pressure on maguire will to maguire to play every single game will be a lot less and even when he's not playing united uh, will have options which will allow them to be much more complete uh, than they will be right now without maguire fair point uh, coming to a goalkeeper situation uh, one of the themes last year was uh, romero would play the initial games and once the semi final came in the day would come in do you expect that to happen tomorrow with dean henderson and secondly what ha- what is the improvement you've seen in dean henderson uh, in whatever games he's played for us uh, this season barring october we've seen him play at least twice a month uh, for united so what is the improvement from his sheffield days that you've seen him in i think i want him to play against city and want him to play against watford as well because i think he's uh, people talk about sergio romero being pretty good and i think uh even though henderson hasn't played in a world cup final and stuff he's not a full blooded england international like romero plays for argentina or rather played for argentina i think henderson has got this aura about himself which shows that uh he's got this authoritarian uh aura about him which makes you think that even if he makes an error he's going to bounce back from it and then Uh, on on his team's points he did that quite a lot of times at sheffield in the in the two seasons that he was on loan and he did that for us against sheffield united so i think he is the sort of um vocal goalkeeper that maybe david de gea isn't and that maybe romero wasn't really uh even at even when he was at sampdoria or at az alkmaar so he's he's in that regard he's a bit different from uh what we have in the other goalkeepers so i think he needs to be playing more games than he is and i know he's the way uh, ole has played him has made david a much more better goalkeeper than uh, he seemed to be last season but coming to how he's improved i think uh, he's playing in a much more different system now so it's it's natural for him to be uh, taking a bit of time to uh play some shorter passes play pass in more central areas because the sheffield united the system was more about going a bit more playing some more medium passes medium passes to the wide areas where 
Sheffield United usually create overloads in their wide areas. So I think this season his passing has been more about playing some grounded passes, playing less longer balls. And I think he's adjusted pretty well to that, even though that error against Sheffield United was a combination of his fault and Maguire's fault and his positioning. I think he's um, improving in that regard and he still has to improve in that regard. And I just said that uh, when it comes to his leadership, he offers uh, a lot more uh, than maybe Romero or De Gea can. Yep, and let's hope that uh, Dino finally gets to make his home debut. And who better to make a home debut with uh, than versus the noisy neighbors? Uh, but I think one of the things I've personally liked about the whole goalkeeping situation is how Ole has handled uh, Dino's game time. And at the same time, you're noticing both with Dino as well as with Dagea uh, the improvement in their distribution. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's another case, just like you pointed to the left back situation. It's another case uh, in the goalkeeping department where we are noticing the players responding to competition. Yeah, and I think yeah. when when it comes to this thing, I think Henderson um, will have the responsibility to play those shorter passes towards the left whenever United get another left-footed centre back in. I mean, their first left-footed centre back in. So I think that's where he would also need to improve his game because it's not like uh, when a, when another defender comes in, he'll straight away start playing those, uh, using those passing angles and passing lanes down the left. Uh, there will be a time when the responsibility will be on the goalkeepers to do that as well. Yep. And that brings me to uh, the squad that we are seeing now under Ole, the sort of evolution of the team that we have been witnessing uh, in the two years that he's been in charge. Uh, one of the things that is quite evident is that United side entity as a counter-attacking team, uh, I can't remember it being this strong since the period of 2007-2009 mm-hmm. uh, when we had that beautiful front three. Uh, the second thing that, of course, uh, uh, we are noticing is that we're doing well despite having a lot of imbalances in the squad some of which you've touched upon. And yeah. whenever I notice Ole sort of managing these imbalances, it reminds me a bit of how Max Allegri's approach to coaching tends to be, wherein it's a game-by-game approach yeah. uh, and accordingly using the personnel to suit the occasion. Yeah. So how do you think that game-by-game approach helps him in terms of these cup competitions where he's had a good run-in? And why did it let him down uh, in the Champions League group phase? I think the Champions League game was uh, largely down to um, maybe a lack of uh, understanding of how the opposition was going to set up because in the first game against Leipzig, uh, United uh, were more clogged in the central areas. And... The, the 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 wide central midfielders were sort of helping out the fullbacks to track the runners. But in this game, we had individual errors. We had uh, the likes of Angelino and Marcel Sabitzer controlling the game much more. And the very purpose of having a of clogging the midfield was defeated. So I think Ole did get that game a bit wrong, especially after uh, we uh, conceded the first two goals. I think yeah, as you said that. Ole 
uh, I think Ole is very, very good at reading the opposition tactics before uh, bringing about his own identity. Like what Max Allegri usually does is he has this set of players that may not be the ones that he himself signed that maybe Antonio Conte signed at Juventus or maybe someone else uh, gave it to him. Maybe the sporting directors forced it onto him that we got these players, you need to play them however you can. So I think Allegri, what Allegri is really good at doing is that he finds a system of, finds a system where players with different strengths and different weaknesses complement each other through that system. It, it's just tailored for how they play. I mean, it hides their weaknesses and it plays into their strengths. And I think that's a very, very important trait for a manager because you've got managers today that uh, sell players when they don't fit their system. We've got players now that have big egos. They cost millions of pounds. They got 80 million pounds, 70 million pounds. So in this era, a manager like Allegri um, makes sure that he fits those expensive signings into one system instead of doing the other way around and selling players that don't fit a system. I think what Ole is trying to do is that he was handed a lot of uh, players by the former managers that weren't exactly his. So I think he's come up with a system which accommodates this wide variety of players that he, some of them that he himself signed into a system that constantly changes. Like if if we play against uh, a team like a team like Brighton today, we'll have a different approach not necessarily a different lineup. We'll have a different approach. And if we play a team like Burnley, like we play before the Liverpool game, he'll play a completely different lineup. So I think that's down to the the manner in which he's recruited or the manner in which the previous managers have recruited as well. That's that's something which makes United, as I said, a much more complete team. So it's it offers much more if 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 even if it doesn't offer a lot more balance in it. In, in, in a holistic sense, it makes sure that United at least outscore teams like against uh, Southampton and West Ham. Um, the defending wasn't exactly great and there were imbalances in the team that when the opposition was, was, was pressing, they, United didn't have a defensive midfielder who can do the job that Matic does. But they, they somehow found a way to change the game around and they had enough attacking talent on the pitch uh, to use to make sure that they blew West Ham and Southampton away in the second half. So I think that's down to how Ole has managed the squad uh, very, very well. Because of, um, one of the things that Ole's sort of management of the squad is also reminding us of is the way Sir Alex also used to manage uh, the squad between 2007 and 2009 in particular, the way he would rotate. And that was probably the last team that showed the ability of going deep. Uh, in comp- competitions. Your thoughts on that? I think it's, uh, as you said, that it's very reminiscent of how uh, Sir Alex did and that 2007 to 2009 period. And I think it's also down to how he's managed the press in probably the best way possible because at a club like Man United, you'll constantly get pressurized by maybe national teams or maybe journalists from abroad, maybe the players' own agents that you need to play this player more. Um, but Ole is somewhat 
come up with this uh, power of positivity thing where he's never someone like Mourinho where if a player like Paul Pogba and his agent are talking about uh, why he's not playing regularly in public like they often did under Mourinho, he's not going to dig his heels in. He'll still talk about positive stuff. And that in itself... Uh, is a bit reminiscent of Sir Alex, although Sir Alex had these mad moments where he shut the journalist down during press conferences. But this is an era where social media is much more reactive and, uh, let's say, much more active and reactive than those times. But I think Ole's done uh, quite the same thing without being as brash or as straightforward as Sir Alex. He's done that by constantly uh, uh, emphasizing on positivity because... It's almost like uh, saying that if you can't do something, uh, the way you'll motivate someone by doing that is you constantly tell them that you can do it, you can do it. And if you almost as if if you repeat that 50 times, uh, you'll const- you'll start thinking that yes, I can do it. That's that's sort of that's the sort of thing that Oli has done. He constantly focuses on positivity instead of the other side when other managers can do the opposite but this is an era where maybe these things will be picked on more often so i think he's managed this part of the media and the press very well as well yeah and i think you can see the sort of unity that is there in the squad and they all seem to have this love for eric bai which we saw at the end of the villa game all that means it's a very united dressing room uh something which has not been a very easy thing to say in the post alex era yeah I think it's it's like if uh, going back to Mourinho, I don't like to go back to the Mourinho era every single time, but there were constantly issues in that team, uh, especially when the season started off in the 1819 uh, season, Mourinho called out every single person at the club um, in the press, in the open. And that thing usually creates a lot of differences amongst players people start to question each other. But what Ole's done, it's directly the opposite. He always makes sure that from, say, someone like Timothy Fosu-Mensa, who's not playing as much, or maybe someone like Brandon Williams, who's not playing as much, maybe even Odeon Igalo, uh, who's not playing as much, he makes sure that all of them are supported and maybe all of them are feeling as loved as maybe Bruno Fernandez is. So that's, I think, is a very, very rare thing. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, public tends to look at what he says and uh, yeah. put this wrong label on him that he's a soft touch. Uh, but it takes a lot of steel to impose your character and your identity yeah. on that dressing room and getting these sort of multi-millionaires to play for the batch and to look like they belong at United. Yeah. I think that's, again, back to what I said about Allegri, like, you got so many talents, you got so many expensive players in that team. And you what you need to do is just make sure that at least they're happier about playing for the for the badge and they're not divided amongst themselves like maybe someone like uh Mourinho can or Antonio Conte can. So I think that's another way in which he mirrors Max Allegri. Yep. Yeah. So lastly, we are in the midst of a January transfer window. And we are in the midst of a of a very good spell. I wouldn't say very good season. I would say a very good spell. What is that 
one under the radar signing that we can make who can turn this very good spell for us into some level of consistency and turn it into a very good season uh, for us i think um, united's main issue as i've just said is uh, playing out from the back um uh, creating those passing angles from the left side that maguire may usually does but he can't always do that and making sure that when teams press united uh, high up the pitch they have this defensive midfielder coming in who can help uh, united transition from midfield to attack from midfield to uh, the advanced areas so i think uh, united are coming to a place where matic can't do it consistently fred isn't that sort of player he's been tried there but i don't think he's done as good a job as someone like matic can or maybe mctominay can because mctominay can't do that either and i think i don't think caicedo can do that if he comes in and van der week isn't that sort of player so what united need at this point is maybe a right footed center back uh, but i think that's that's pretty secondary as things stand especially if tuan zeger stays fit so i think what united needs a need is a left footed center back and a defensive midfielder so one player who actually fits both of those positions is Teon Koopminers we've talked about him a lot of times now so what i was checking out his action map comparing him to what matic does and surprisingly so he does every single thing uh, that matic does in quite the same areas like he constantly drops in to a left center back role because he originally was a left center back at aze he can also play as left back but his main role is the fact that he's very very good at um breaking through opposition lines and this is a quality which uh, very very uh, less defensive midfielders have in the current market and that's why replacing a player like matic is very rare people constantly talk about um why united should have signed should have signed thomas partey why they should sign someone like wilfred ndidi or maybe roma zamadou diawara but i think what united uh, need is someone who can drop in as that third center back and break through opposition's line opposition lines and opposition presses no other united defensive midfielder or midfielder can do that so i think coop miners doesn't just offer that uh, ability to break down lines from defensive midfield he can also play as a left center back when perhaps united are playing in a back three or when maguire is out so he offers um uh, versatility quality and fixes two really big issues in the united team yep uh, and look given his age it's quite obvious that sky is the limit with the talent that he has uh, don't know uh, how much he will cost us and how soon he could fit into the premier league but there are a lot of attributes there uh, for us to get quite excited about uh, if we were to ever get a player like him So on that note, thank you so much, Kostov. Your insights are always a pleasure to hear, as always. Uh, to the listeners of this podcast, do follow Kostov on Twitter uh, for some amazing football analysis, not just on United, uh, but on his second favorite club, Fiorentina, as well. Uh, so, Kostov, thanks for joining us. We hope to have you back on the pod also again some other day.
Yeah, it was great joining you, Shashank. I really liked it. I mean, I can talk about United and football all day long. So yeah, it was it was great joining you. So that's it. Thanks for listening to us. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do follow and subscribe to the podcast for more engaging Manchester United content. And please provide us your feedback and suggestions too.